Well, as we open God's precious word this morning, if you have a Bible with you, I would like you to turn to the New Testament book of Ephesians, chapter 4, and we will be looking this morning at verses 20 through 24. We are working our way through the book of Ephesians on Sunday morning. This is the second part of a two-part message that I have entitled, Put Off the Old Man and Put on the New Man. And since this is part two of this two-part message, I want to read verses 17 through 24, even though our text is just 20 through 24, just to give you the context and the flavor of what Paul is saying here in its totality. He is writing to the church at Ephesus and says, Now this I say and testify in the Lord, that you must no longer walk as the Gentiles do. In the futility of their minds, they are darkened in their understanding, alienated from the life of God because of the ignorance that is in them due to their hardness of heart. They have become callous and have given themselves up to sensuality, greedy to practice every kind of impurity. But that is not That is not the way you learned Christ. Assuming that you have heard about him and were taught in him as the truth is in Jesus. To put off your old self which belongs to your former manner of life and is corrupt through deceitful desires. And to be renewed in the spirit of your minds and to put on the new self. Created after the likeness of God in true righteousness and holiness. Well, our first point this morning is the way of Christ. In Ephesians 4.17, the Apostle Paul says, Now this I say and testify in the Lord that you must no longer walk as the Gentiles do. And that was our focus in the first part of this message. The word Gentiles in the New Testament, as I shared with you in part one, can be used in two different ways. It can be used ethnically and racially to refer simply to non-Jews. We have Jews and we have Gentiles. The word Gentiles can also be used in a religious or theological way, and that is the way that Paul is using it in this particular text. Gentiles is used here not simply to refer to non-Jews, but is used here as a reference to every person without Christ, to those in the world without God and without hope. And so Paul describes the unbelievers, those outside of Christ, as having four general characteristics, which we looked at in depth in part one. They walk in the futility of their minds. They are darkened in their understanding. They have become callous to sin. They are greedy to practice every kind of impurity. And that brought us to that transitional verse, which binds together the first and second parts of this particular paragraph. And Paul says, but that is not the way you learn Christ. No, brothers and sisters in the Lord, that's not the way you learned Christ. That phrase, that is not the way you learn Christ, is a direct reference to salvation. To learn Christ is to be saved. 
To learn Christ is to be regenerated by the Holy Spirit. To learn Christ is to be born again. To be born anew of the Spirit of God. That's what it means to have learned Christ. You have become a new creature in Christ. You have become a new creation in Christ. And you should no longer live the way you used to live before you came to know him. If your salvation is genuine, if you have truly been converted in your soul, then you will live differently. In 1 John chapter 2, verses 4 and 15, John writes, The one who says, I have come to know him and does not keep his commandments is a liar, and the truth is not in him. If anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. We are to be different now. We have a new master. We have a new Lord. We have a new way of life. We are now not to live for ourselves, to gratify our self-centered, self-absorbed, selfish desires, but we are to live for Jesus. Our lives are to honor him and to be lived for him. In 2 Corinthians 5.15, Paul writes to the church at Corinth and says, They who live should no longer live for themselves, but for him who died. And rose again on their behalf. The mark of the Christian life. The mark of the Christian life is to think like Christ. And to act like Christ. And to love like Christ. And in every possible way. To be just like Christ. So that we can say with Paul in 1 Thessalonians chapter 5. Whether we are awake or asleep. May we live together with him. So we are no longer. To live as the Gentiles do. Because we have learned Christ. You're saved. You're regenerated by the Holy Spirit. You are a new creation in Christ. So live like the person that you are. And that brings us to our second point this morning. And that is the truth is in Jesus. In verse 21, Paul makes a statement. That all of us must ingrain in our minds and in our hearts. The truth is in Jesus. And if you remember nothing else this morning when you walk out these doors. That's what I want you to remember. That's the big idea of this message. That's the foundation of this message upon which everything else is about. The truth. The truth is in Jesus. Verse 21 says, assuming that you have heard about him and were taught in him, Paul writing to these believers in Ephesus. And keep in mind, this takes us all the way back to the very first sermon in the book of Ephesians quite a few months ago, that this is written to the church at Ephesus, but was also meant to be a circular letter to go to all of the churches in Asia Minor. And so he's writing to many believers whom he does not know personally. And he says, assuming that you have heard about him, that you have heard the gospel and that you were taught in him, that you have come to know him and have been discipled in him. I'm assuming that you have come to that point as I write this letter to you and know this, know this, the truth is in Jesus That means so many things, but let me give you two examples this morning. When we say the truth is in Jesus, it means Jesus is the truth about salvation. Folks, if you want to sum up the gospel in one word, it's Jesus. 
Everything about the gospel is found in him and summed up in him. He came by way of incarnation. We are going to celebrate that in just a few weeks in the month of December as we celebrate the Christmas season. He came by way of incarnation. He lived a perfect life in perfect obedience to the Father, which enabled him to become the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world, which enabled him to become the perfect sacrifice, the once-for-all sacrifice given for sin which enabled him to die as a substitute for our sins, to die in our place, to die for our sins, to be thoroughly judged and punished for our sins, and then to be raised victoriously from the dead, thoroughly overcoming sin and death. Yes, Jesus is the truth about salvation. The corollary verse to verse 21, Ephesians 4.21, would be Ephesians 1.13. If you're in Ephesians 4, if you have a Bible in front of you, just hold your place there and go back to Ephesians chapter 1 and verse 13 and see how these two verses connect together. Ephesians 1.13, in him you also, when you heard Watch this, the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation and believed in him in Jesus were sealed with the promised Holy Spirit. In Christ, when you came to be in Christ, it was because you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation and believed in him and were sealed with the promised Holy Spirit. So Jesus is the truth about salvation. A second example. Jesus is the truth about God. Everything we know about God, we see embodied in Jesus. I know it's been said many times in many sermons, but when you see Jesus, you see God. Don't ever miss that. Jesus truly is God in the flesh. He is God's perfect righteousness. He is God's perfect holiness. He is God's perfect justice and judgment. He is God's perfect love. He is God's perfect compassion and mercy and grace. Jesus is omnipotent. Jesus is omniscient. Jesus is immutable, meaning that he never changes. Jesus is eternal. He is the et eternality of God. He has always and forever existed. Jesus is the truth about God himself. Want to know what God is like? Just look at Jesus. In 1 John chapter 5 and verse 20, the apostle John writes this, And we know that the Son of God has come and has given us understanding. Now watch this. So that we may know him who is true. And we are in him who is true. In his son, Jesus Christ, he is, he is the true God and eternal life. The truth, the truth is in Jesus. And Jesus Christ, the truth 
teaches us to put off the old self and to put on the new self. In verses 22 through 24, it says to put off your old self, which belongs to your former manner of life and is corrupt through deceitful desires and to be renewed in the spirit of your minds and to put on the new self created after the likeness of God and true righteousness and holiness. This is a key text for the Christian life. But it is not an always easy text. And so let me try to explain it to you as best I can. Let me give you a couple of preface comments to help us understand these three verses. First of all, we need to know that verses 22 through 24 are not, they are not commands to be obeyed by human energy. But rather they are supernatural realities that became ours at the time of salvation. We became the new self. The old self was crucified. I have been crucified with Christ and I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. The life I live in the body, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. I have been crucified with Christ. My old self, though still there, has been crucified. I have a new self. I have a new me. Remember verse 21. The truth is in Jesus. Also know this. Verses 22 through 24 are not human works required for salvation, but the result of the divine work of salvation that has already taken place in someone's life. You are the new self. Live like who you are. Be the person you were saved to be. You were recreated to be in Christ by his divine enablement by his life lived through you you are able to put on the new self and put off the old self in verse 22 it says put off your old self which belongs to your notice the word former your former manner of life and is corrupt through deceitful desires Put off your old self. Let me try to explain something here. When we are born again, saved, whatever term we want to use to explain our justification before God, that time in a person's life when they realize that they have sinned against a holy God, and they repent of their sin and receive Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior. At that time in their life, the Holy Spirit comes to live in them, seals them. And by means of the Holy Spirit, Jesus Jesus Christ resides in you. Colossians 1.27, which we spent so much time on in 2017. Christ in you. Christ in you. The hope of glory. And when that time comes in your life you become a new creature in Christ a new creation in Christ you are a new man you are a new woman in Christ now we know that even when we come to know him that there is still sin in us 
the evidence of sin, the desire of sin. So I have become a new creation in Christ, but that sin is still there. And theologians and Bible teachers for generations have grappled with and have wrestled with how to describe this duality that exists in the Christian life. They've called it the new man and the old man, the new self and the old self, the new nature and the old nature. Even Bible translators sometimes wrestle with what is the best English way to describe this existence within us. But let me explain something to you this morning. And sometimes I think there's confusion about this and misunderstanding about this. When you come to Christ, you are totally recreated. You have a new nature. 2 Corinthians 5.17 If anyone be in Christ, he is a new creation. The old is gone and the new has come. Now I want you to really think that through with me this morning. If anyone be in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has gone and the new has come. So when we think of this existence, this duality within us, don't think that you are two different people. And I think that's the misunderstanding that Christians somehow have. I'm this new person, but the old person still lives there too. That's not what the New Testament teaches. Sometimes we think like those movies or television shows we've seen in the past where someone has an out-of-body experience and they see the good me and the bad me. And sometimes I'm the good me. And sometimes I'm the bad me. And sometimes the good me and the bad me are fighting with each other. And I sense that. I think, wow, yeah, that's what's happening in me. I've got good me and bad me. Today I'm the bad me. Hopefully tomorrow I'll be the good me. And, and so they, we see this struggle But really, folks, that's not the Christian life. You are not two people. You are one new creation in Christ. Okay? You are not two people. You are one new creation in Christ. Yes, sin still resides. It still seeks to rise up within us. But that happens in the new nature. It somehow remains there. And wars with us. But I just want you to know. The old man. The old self. It died. It died. That sin still remains there. And we're to put that off. We're to put that off. Because that's not. This is the whole point of the message. You're not that person anymore. Don't live like that person because that's not who you are. The old has gone. The new has come. You are a new recreated person in Christ. Paul teaches this. He is passionate about this throughout the New Testament. He teaches it in the book of Colossians, especially Colossians chapter 3. Set your minds on things above, not on things of the earth. Because you have put off the old self and put on the new self. He teaches us in the book of Romans, especially in that seminal chapter, that such important chapter, Romans chapter 6. Count yourselves as dead to sin. 
Reckon yourselves as dead to sin because you are. Don't let it rise up within you in this earthly body while it still remains until we go to heaven and we are finally freed from the very presence of sin. You are dead to that. Live like you are dead to that. And the inescapable conclusion from what Paul says in Ephesians and Colossians and Romans is that salvation is a spiritual union with Jesus Christ in his death and resurrection that can also be described as the death of the old self and the resurrection of the new self who now walks in newness of life. So, this union, this new identity in Christ clearly means that you weren't just tra- excuse me that you weren't just changed you were transformed you are totally transformed into a new person so here's the important part salvation is not the addition of a new self to an old self you become a new person the remnants the residue of sin still remains and rises up within us, but it is no longer who you are. You're a new man. You're a new woman in Christ. And so, with that in mind, in verses 23 and 24, he says, and to be, and to be renewed in the spirit of your minds and to put on the new self created after the likeness of God in true righteousness and holiness. He says, I want you to be renewed. This could be translated, put on the new self, put on the new self by being renewed in the spirit of your minds, knowing that you are created after the likeness of God in true righteousness and holiness. Be renewed in the spirit of your minds. The mind is the seat of who we are. As I shared with you a few weeks ago when we talk about Christ being the head of the body, it's because the head is the life of the body. You cut off the head and the body dies. So what happens here determines what happens here. And what happens is I live for Christ. Paul says, as you know, many of you, Romans 12, 2, do not be conformed any longer to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your minds. But I want you to notice something so interesting here. It says, be renewed in the spirit of your minds. This is not just okay try to think different thoughts okay now you're a christian have different opinions and different viewpoints it's a lot more than that it means your mind has been renewed you have a whole different intellectual orientation toward god and understanding him toward yourself and understanding who you really are and toward the world around you. So what he's saying is, live like that. Let God have all of your mind. Let your mind, let the spirit of your mind 
where the Holy Spirit is part of you. Let the spirit of your mind be renewed. Again, live like the person you were saved to be. So, put on the new self. It means let the new self rule and reign in your life. Let the new self, the recreated self, the totally transformed self, who you really are now, let that be the person that is in evidence in every part of your life. Because know this, this new self was created after the likeness of God in true righteousness and holiness. Wow. Something supernatural happened to us when we received Christ as our Savior. And it's as if we just spend the whole rest of our earthly lives trying to understand the beauty, the wonder, and the fullness of what it means to be new in Christ. 1 Corinthians chapter 2 says, We have the mind of Christ. Philippians chapter 2 said, Let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus. Really? Wow. Second Peter chapter 1 says, Through these great and precious promises, we have become partakers in the divine nature, having escaped the corruption of this world with its sinful desires. I want you to think about that. Through these great and precious promises of the word of God, we have become partakers of the divine nature. Something otherworldly. A gift from God now lives within us. Created after the likeness of God. That's you. In true righteousness and holiness. And the ESV, the English Standard Version, has an excellent translation here. It is true righteousness and holiness. Righteousness here referring primarily to our relationship toward others and this world. Holiness primarily referring to our relationship to God. Put on the new self. Be who you really are. Live like the man and the woman you have been saved, recreated to be. So let your mind be renewed. Let the spirit of your mind take it in, soak it in. Let it immerse you that you, brother and sister in Christ, have been created, recreated after the likeness of God in true righteousness and holiness. I'm not sure, at least for me, that Paul says this any more clearly than he does in Romans 6, verses 11 through 13. Here's a good passage to add to your memorization list. It's going to be on the screen, Romans 6, 11 through 13. What a great section. In the same way, 
Count yourselves dead to sin. But alive to God in Christ Jesus. Therefore, therefore do not let sin reign in your mortal body so that you obey its evil desires. Do not offer any part of yourself to sin as an instrument of wickedness. But rather, but rather offer yourselves to God. As those who have been brought from death to life, present tense, and offer every part of yourself to him as an instrument of righteousness. To you who know Christ, Paul says, to every one of us, Paul says, Count yourselves. Reckon yourselves. Knowing the deepest part of your heart that you are dead to sin but alive to God. In Christ Jesus. Offer yourselves to God as those, as those who have been brought from death to life and offer every part of yourself, every part of yourself to Him as an instrument of righteousness. Why? Because that's who you really are. That's what it means. Folks, Romans 6, 11 through 13 is exactly what it means to put off the old self and to put on the new self. That is what it means. It seems so many times in the New Testament that when Paul wants to to describe who we are, And then how we should live, he uses the word, therefore. Here's who you are, therefore, this is how you should live. Next Sunday morning, we're going to look at the very next paragraph, verses 25 through 32, and notice the word it begins with. Therefore. We are going to look in very practical ways next Sunday morning at what a new man and a new woman looks like, acts like, thinks like, and talks like. But first, before you can understand that, before you can do that, you must understand what it means to put off the old self and to put on the new self. Remember this. As you leave, the truth is in Jesus. The ability to do this is in Jesus. The very power of Christ himself resides in you. I know that is beyond imagination, but the very power of Christ himself lives within you and lives through you. Let him do it. Let him do it. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, help each one of us every day to put off the old self and to put on the new, to be renewed in the spirit of our minds, knowing that we have been recreated in the likeness of God. In true righteousness and holiness. Oh Lord. 
Thank you for who we are in Christ. Help us to be in awe of and wonder of all that we are in Jesus. And help us to live that every day. Oh, may the power of Christ manifest itself in us and through us. For we pray in his name. Amen.